to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I am here uh, joined, as always, with uh, our co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Parker. I'm coming to you live from my childhood bedroom. Uh, if you look above me, there's a picture of Danny Green dunking on Greg Paulus. Um, so, yeah, we're doing all right. Is Greg Paulus the guy who went back and played quarterback? After college yes. basketball, that's right. Played point guard for Duke was mediocre, and then became a mediocre quarterback at Syracuse. So, Jack and now Danny Green is an NBA player. Yeah, uh, that's 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 very impressive. Yeah, sir, so are you listening to a bunch of Ario Speedwagon? Uh, the hurricane's coming in tomorrow, so riding the storm out. That's a joke. Uh, yeah, I've got it. We were like forty years old. Sorry, I don't even know what Ario Speedwagon song references a hurricane. Riding the storm out, Ario Speedwagon. I'm 40 years old and don't know that song. Oh, my Just gosh. FYI. <laughs> All right, well, we're starting off. That, uh, that other voice that you hear is, of course, uh, uh, Melissa Trebowasser uh, is joining us tonight. Uh, Melissa's coming on the show because we have to talk about quarterbacks, uh, and we're going to talk about quarterbacks tonight. And Melissa wrote a piece and laid out some of these thoughts about, you know, what the hell does the TCU quarterback room even look like? And I'm sure we're going to get through all kinds of thoughts tonight about why the hell TCU ends up in this situation every year and all this nonsense. But anyway, Melissa, how are you? You know, I'd made it through my first day of in-person school. Um, yay. We're here. That's all we're going for though. It's small goals these days. So yeah. Hell yeah. One day at a time. Um, yeah, well, yeah that's, that's great. How, how, how was it? Melissa, are y'all in person or virtual? We are, we are both. So I've got okay. every class, I have a certain number of kids in person, a certain number of kids of online. I kept keep forgetting about the kids on the Zoom. So that's a challenge that we're working through. I just almost like unmute yourself and yell at me every couple of minutes so that I know what's going on. Um, I was super impressed. Our kids did great. They all were super compliant. I've said super 750 times. They were compliant. They were respectful. They, they want to be in school. That's the nice thing about being in a, a private school. Kids want to be at school uh, and they want to keep staying yep. at school. So, so far, so good. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. You know, well, I, I went to a public school. I always wanted to be in school so that, um, you know, all, all the the many women at Bay City High School could really, you know, get a good look at me. Um, you know, I really thought that was kind of my whole reason for yeah. going. Turns out, mm -hmm. uh, actually, none of them knew I existed, but that, that's you're, not a here you're, there. You're, you're single, right, Grant? I, I mean, I don't want to... I, I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this will surprise you. I, yeah. I, I am, too. I also went to a large public school myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah, but I did not have the same reasoning for you. I just, uh, right. I was bored. Right. So I, I liked being at school. I was I was pretty much and a nerd. Um, so that's what I had going for me in the school. Well, we realm. say that Parker's still in school. I was so gonna say some and, snarky and comment. still a nerd. I was gonna say mm -hmm. some snarky comment about not liking school, but having been there for what like fifteen years now or something, something yeah. ridiculous. You, know, so, you never stopped. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hard transition here. I'm just I feel low energy right now because I'm dodging around the fact that we have to talk about Max Duggan. So like obviously. Everyone who's listening to this knows that something horrible has happened. And in the course of some of these ramped up COVID screenings, uh, they found an, uh, what, is, what is being called an abnormality in Max's Duggan's heart. Mm -hmm. And so uh, first and foremost, uh, that is awesome that they found it, uh, that, that, yeah. that it was there and they didn't know about it and now they do. And that uh, potentially staved off some kind of horrific accident. So this is tragic, but this is a good thing for, for that young man. And so, mm -hmm. um, 
one level, that's just sad. It's it's sad mm-hmm. that he's going to have his season further um, diverted, further messed with, further screwed up. It's also sad that uh, it's also probably really frustrating for him, as it is frustrating for us that he won't get to compete and, and TCU's team is going to be down a little bit. So um, initial reactions to the Max Duggan news. What What do you guys think? I mean, my initial I, thought is, oh, oh, man, we both no, waited for ahead. the other one to star, and we started at the same time. I love yeah, that. Yeah, um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, you know, I, I think, obviously, the first reaction was, thank God they found it. Um, it it's always nice to see a, a positive thing come out of the era of COVID. So, great, great on TCU. Good on them on being on top of that. Uh, great for him that uh, no matter what his football career looks like after this, um, that, that it looks like he's going to have a long, healthy life. And, and first and foremost, that's the most important thing. Um, from a TCU fan perspective, it was a – I know you said hell a lot. Are we allowed to cuss on this uh, podcast? So do we, it, has to be, it, it has to be in the Bible. That's the it has rule. to be in the – Yeah. Um, my second <laughs> thought then was why does our – quarterback room continue to be ass the minute that someone gets hurt um and yeah again no offense to anybody on the roster these are all guys who work hard but uh when you have a bunch of walk-ons and former walk-ons and guys that the best thing they say about them is he's got a uh, uh, no one's gonna outwork him and he has a high football iq it's a little concerning when you're a power five university and you don't have kind of another another dude just kind of waiting to step into that role um, and take over. And it's been since forever. I mean, we have, have we ever had a backup that we felt really, really good about starting games that wasn't named Bram Kohlhausen? I mean, I guess Paha and Boykin were on the roster at the same time. Yeah. So, so since, does that count? Since the, well, no, because remember, Boykin was awful in his first couple games well, yeah. back when Paha yeah. went down. Well, he was, well, well, Boykin, to, more to the point, Boykin was not a quarterback until he started yeah. taking snaps. He was recruited yeah. as an yeah. athlete and it flirted with quarterback, but I think that was the Iowa State game the second time where Paha hurt his wrist yeah. uh, or broke his arm. And Boykin that week had been lining up and running back. Yep. Yeah, uh, he was taking so, running back snaps and threw four interceptions in that game. Yeah, I, 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 had yeah. This, I had this thought, Melissa, as you were talking right there, um, and this is going to be perhaps too dismal. So let's hit the bottom of our energy, hit this, and then kind of go forward. <laughs> but if, um, if hard work was all it took for college football success, TC would have multiple national championships at this point. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, there's, there's more to it. So I'm going to read you some names. Uh, I hate to do this. I'm going to do this. TCU quarterback recruits not named Dalton or Boykin in the modern era. Gallegos. Brown, Gonzalez, Owen, Allen, Sawyer, Mulestein, Kohlhausen, Perry, Wooten, Robinson, Rogers, Duggan, Williams. So can I tell a Foster Sawyer story real quick? I would love a Foster Sawyer story. This this actually does not involve Foster Sawyer. Uh, First off, shout out to his brother Tate. Good dude. Worked for me as an intramural referee. I'm sure Foster Sawyer is a great kid. He's a great kid. I I know. He's a great kid. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. When I was a freshman, Sawyer was like the big recruit, and I was very excited about him coming to TCU. And my friend Hunter and I were obsessed with Foster Sawyer. I watched more of his high school tape than like the TCU coaches did. And uh, so whenever we may have gotten into our cups a little bit, um, the way we could tell if anybody you know was kind of overserved was Grant, who, who's the next TCU hero? I say Foster Sawyer, and he go, he's fine. You know, send him back out there. 
and uh, and then Foster Sorry got to college, and he was not the the TCU hero. But it's because we, we Foster still do that Sawyer now. started kindergarten early, so he was a year and a half older than everyone else, and so he, he just destroyed high schoolers while he was a college freshman. He, in effect, he also played in the SBC, and as someone who teaches in that beloved academic oriented conference, um, beating up on a bunch of SBC kids isn't really the move um, to make the transition. My favorite Foster Sawyer story is. Uh, one of our, our former Frogs of War riders, Christian Choa, is one of my former students. And Christian played uh, cornerback for TC or for uh, Oak Ridge. And he's got a great picture of Foster throwing a ball to some like six foot six wide receiver over five foot six Christian Choa uh, and just mossing him. It was not, it was boys against men when All Saints met up with any other SBC mm-hmm. school, which is why they no longer play at the SBC. So Foster was great yeah. in high school, um, but his competition level was not well and and, and well, foster sawyer will always have the legacy of that huge pass to colby listenby like on the yes. drive against oklahoma and we thought okay he was a four-star maybe this would be great and it turns yeah. out colby listenby was just really fast and very open and <laughs> didn't really have to do a lot to get the ball there and i remember the next pass he threw was like the duck of all ducks like it, it, yeah he thrown it underhand and flipped it backwards it wouldn't have looked any worse than this pass that he threw well Parker, since you since you listed off some names, let's play a quick game. I have I have Go Frogs pulled up. I have the roster for TCU. I have the quarterback uh, room listed. We're going to play TCU quarterback or um, like country singer. Okay. And you tell me which one's which. This is a great. Okay. This is a great segue. So, for, I, I, first off, what I'm going to do is okay. Which one is the country singer and which one is the quarterback? John Party or Luke Party? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. Luke Luke has to be the country singer. His name is Luke. I'm actually going backwards. I'm going John Party is the country singer. John Party is the country singer. Luke Party is a freshman from Klein Kane in Houston, uh six one one eighty seven. Uh John <gasps> Party, heartache on the dance floor. Yeah. So, a song so bad it's good. Okay, uh let's see here. Where where do I go? Um Adam Carroll. Quarterback or country singer? Country singer. I know that one. Sorry. Yeah, country singer. Yeah, I love Adam Carroll. Um, okay. Uh, he has a great song called Old Milwaukee's Best is My Best He friend. does. Great he work does. In there. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. Honestly, he looks like he could throw too. a football over those mountains, like in an Uncle, Uncle Richard style. Could. I bet he, he probably played quarterback could. at some point. Yeah. He probably could. Uh, this podcast Wilson has Long. turned into something different. Wilson Long is a TCU commit. His former Princeton, yeah. former uh, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech recruit uh former princeton signee when they canceled the ivy league season that that could be the surprise of tc football in 2020 if we make it through eight games don't be surprised if wilson long takes some snaps okay y'all are much better at this game than i thought you'd be uh (laughs) rob baird country singer rob Rob baird's a country singer grant our musical taste overlaps too much i know (laughs) okay I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you the rest of these quarterback names. Just tell us Kristen, the quarterbacks because who the hell are they? Yeah. Yeah. Kristen Gelov. I, I'm not pronouncing that right. His name is Glove, but you switched the E and the L. Um, Preston Morway, Jake Newfeld, uh, Stephon Brown, uh, Duggan, Eli Williams, Matthew Downing, Carter Burr, and Grant Buchler. So Carter Burr sounds like an extra from Hamilton. Carter it's spelled Burr. B-I-R. Carter Burr weighs 168 pounds on the <laughs> roster. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, yeah. So this is a, this is a motley crew, I think is the uh, appropriate term here for what TCU has in the quarterback room. And so Duggan, we don't know. Um, Max Duggan's dad, uh, successful Iowa high school football coach, Jim Duggan. Um, he says that. Hacksaw Duggan? Hacksaw Jim Duggan? I think, I, I don't know about that. Um, his name is Jim Duggan. Um, he, he is quoted in this Iowa newspaper saying they've treated Max's thing and he's, he's going to recover now. We know the rule about believing player parents, though, so I don't, I don't put any faith in that. I think we have to operate under the assumption that Max Duggan is not playing football until Max Duggan plays football, um, until we get explicit information the otherwise. So who's, who's on deck? Who is going to um, – who looks like they're going to play uh, any kind of meaningful minutes? So, Melissa, you had, a, you had a piece up on Frogs of War, your Monday morning quarterback, which welcome, – welcome back to the Monday morning quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that getting ramped up again. Uh, for the season, what what does the what does the situation look like? I mean, the the reports that we're getting from select media who actually get invited to uh, Zoom calls with Gary Patterson, not including myself. Um, but what I can gather from those select two people is that uh, it, it looks like down the, the guy that Gary Patterson's talking up right now is Downing, um, and and we know from experience that the more Gary Patterson tells you how great a player is, the less likely they are to actually be good when the season starts. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, this is a smokescreen and that Stefan Brown just isn't ready quite yet, but that he's going to be the guy that ends up uh, taking snaps when, when SMU rolls around. I think Downing will start. I think this is going to be very much a, a Doug and Delton situation here. I think Downing will probably be the guy to begin with because he's been around the program. He's got a year in the system. He's got power five experience at Georgia. He's played in power five, you know, he's played in games um, and he's the, the safer pick. But Brown definitely is a higher, higher ceiling guy. I mean, 6'5", 230 pounds, number one ju- Juco, ju- dual threat QB in the country. Uh, he's the kind of guy that you hope is as good as you think he can be and that you hope you get a chance to see kind of operate in, in this system with Doug Meacham now we know of almost officially calling plays. So um, Downing's the safe choice. Brown is the interesting choice, which means that Patterson will start with the safe choice and hopefully move to the interesting choice before the end of week one. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair analysis. And, and I should say this before I start. I want all these kids to succeed. I'm a TCU fan. I can say that now that I'm not a real journalist. And I, uh, I'm i pulling for them very, very hard. Um, Melissa, I'm quoting from your piece here. Um, Downing's high school coach, these are his quotes. Matthew's one of the hardest working, most dedicated kids I've ever coached. He's not the guy who's going to blow you away with a measuring tape or a stopwatch. He's just a ball player and gets it done no matter uh, what the circumstance. That, candidly, is not what I want out of a college quarterback. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm all for, for, for translation. For, you know, translation. Grinders. He's trying his best. <laughs> and listen, that's we're all trying our best. Um, but I, I do, yeah. Stephon Brown clearly seems to be the guy that that has probably the most talent on the roster. Um, I, I am very curious to see what y'all's thoughts are about Eli Williams. Uh, I doubt they'll throw him in the fire that early. Um, although then again, Max Duggan was playing Iowa high school football in December and then was starting against uh, SMU, you know, nine months later. But uh, I, I, if it's not Brown or Williams, I really am. Uh, I don't want to see anyone else taking snaps. Although I agree. I think Downing will. 
Yeah, well, and, and that's interesting to me because, like, Melissa, Melissa, you said, like, the more that Gary Patterson talks somebody up, what, what's crazy to me, not crazy, that's, that's too strong of a word, but what's of note to me is that at Big 12 Media Days last year, everything was going around, you know, coming out of spring, like, man, Duggan's throwing the ball really well. Like, man, mm-hmm. nobody else is really stepping up. Justin Rogers isn't right. It looks like Duggan's really throwing the ball well. And so we kind of knew going in, like, all right, I don't think they want to start Duggan, but Duggan kind of, like, earned his way into it. Um, and even if that was a little bit of attrition. Um, and so I'm I'm less confident in the smoke ski screen and more confident in the fact that like I I Gary just values experience. And so I think again, a, a Doug and Delton situation is obviously shooting yourself in the foot. Um, just like play somebody and design an offense to help them succeed. I've watched uh what what film there is on Brown and on Matthew Downing and um I have, I just, just frankly, it is inconceivable to me that, that Matt Downing in any way, shape, or form would take snaps over Stefan Brown, unless Stefan Brown is injured or not doing the work to learn the playbook or something. I don't, I'm not, and I'm not saying he is, I don't mean to put that on a, on a kid. Um, but no, yeah. Stefan Brown is 6'5, 230. Matt Downing is 6'0, 205. Like, Stefan Brown has a body of a, major college quarterback. Uh, Stefan Brown would actually be the second tallest quarterback in the Big 12, and he would be the heaviest, depending on how much you believe official weights. Um, and so he definitely has the prototype. On his film, um, he definitely didn't have, you know, again, it's just Huddle, his like senior, his most recent highlights from from the community college. But like, he doesn't have the, you know, kind of burst of speed, but he's very clearly comfortable in the open field. Um, and he made a lot of throws into reasonable windows. So like, obviously you've got to adjust for quality of competition. Obviously I'm not a professional film scout person. Um, but just looking at him, he seemed to, to be able to plug in and make, make plays when he needed to. And a lot of his runs didn't involve, you know, Herculean efforts. They were smart angles and he had enough speed to get where he wanted to go. And then he kind of had one move in the open field. So I'm actually super optimistic of Brown. Um, Matt Downing has not thrown more than four passes in a game in, in the FBS. He's thrown four once, two twice, and then, and then one uh, a couple of times um, in, in complete blowouts. I think that whatever rhetoric there is about Matt Downing's experience is entirely uh, propaganda. Um, just trying wait, to say like, hey, he's older and yeah. Well, I was going to ask who's taller than um, Stefan Brown. Well, I have this, I have this up, uh, and somebody's six six. I just, I tweeted it out the other day because I was curious about it. Let me. Uh, is it Bowman? I think it might be Bowman. I have Bowman it. I have it out. Yeah. Bowman is Bowman is tall. That's why his ribs keep breaking all the time. Oh yeah. This is great vamping. Got so many uh, of them. Okay, here we go. So Rattler six one, Ellinger six three, Thompson six two. No, 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 no. Okay, so I thought I thought Thompson was taller than he is, but the 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 tallest and biggest quarterback in the Big Twelve officially is 6'3", 225, Sam Allinger. Sam Allinger is not 225. Sam Allinger might be 240. No, he's 240. Uh, yeah, and yeah so he's a big boy. Stefan Brown is 6'5", and he's 230 in a way that, that Sam Allinger is not 230. So he's going to be taller and longer than, than any uh, – and, and bigger than any other quarterback in the Big 12, um, Allinger aside. So, so that physical tool – is, is interesting to me, especially when you consider like Rattler's 6'1", 200, Sanders is 6'1", 205, uh, Brewer is 6'1", 210, uh, Bowman's 6'3", but so you, you have these like smaller guys, 
And like Matt Downing does not have the same skill set that Spencer Sanders has of, you know, turning the field horizontally and being crazy and making plays. So like the size thing is really interesting to me. I agree. And, and, and if y'all want to keep talking about, you know, kind of the battle, I'm, I'm fine with that too. But I, I, I do want to throw one, not meta, but one kind of, kind of big picture thought in here, which is this is such a weird season and knock on wood, you know, who knows if all the games going to be played, whatever. Is, is there some merit just playing devil's advocate and just saying, hey, Downing will at least, you know, he knows the playbook already. Uh, again, not saying Brown can't learn it, but, you know, he knows the playbook already. Just get him out there. We'll get some reps in, you know, run Meacham, any new things he'll bring and just kind of transition us into 2021. I mean, I know Patterson and all his players want to win every game they play, obviously, but I, I, I do wonder if there's some merit in saying, hey, let's not rock the boat and just, just kind of stay the course in this weird season that might not even matter by mid-October. Yeah, I mean – Not to be depressing. But. No, well, like, so, so, like, again, let's just, like, let's let's say we're planning for a full season. Brown has another – Brown has two years of eligibility. Eligibility doesn't matter this year. And you could think, okay, we've got a really good defense. We really don't have anything on offense. That kind of sucks for Tay Barber because his season is going to get wasted. But you think about, like, Quentin Johnson um, – and you're like, okay, why don't we just try and do what we did against Oklahoma State and Baylor in 2018 and get super weird and see if we can get our playmakers mm-hmm. the ball and do something. Melissa, Grant and I have been talking for so long. Uh, Hello. Jump, jump in here. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you guys – first I want to say about Eli Williams, um, I think he will play snaps for TCU football successfully. I don't think he'll ever take snaps for TCU um, apparently he is raw as raw can be, uh, and that there is a long road ahead of him and that, uh, his best move may be to be a position change because you also have to think about if this kid needs a year or two to, um, to, to get up to speed and you look at the guys coming in, if TCU manages to keep them, um, then he's, he's a great athlete and a great kid, but not probably a quarterback. And I think that that's something that was kind of flirted around when he signed with the frogs that they were going to give him a shot to play, but they weren't going to guarantee him. And uh, if you look at just the guys coming in next year, if they both end up signing, um, he's probably not got much of a shot to ever be a TCU quarterback. Um, The second thing I want to, I want to say is to to Parker's earlier point that um, everyone was saying how great Max Duggan was and and then Gary Patterson talked up Delton at all media days as the actual coach. And then look who they rolled out to take the first snaps. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what we're, what we're, we're trending towards right now. Um, I, I think, I think there's merit to, to what you were saying as well, though, Grant, in that if we get through four games, um, you know, TCU's cases doubled in the last four days um, on campus. So uh, things are not looking good at our dear old university. Um, but if we get through those four games, then is it better to have that experience or is it better to have a kid that you can redshirt that might need an extra year? Um, but then I also, I'm kind of with Parker on this. If you've got, you know, Trayvon Merrick probably gone after this year, Garrett Wallow definitely gone after this year. Uh, I think our Darius Washington can in theory leave if he wants to um, because he's a, I believe he's a redshirt sophomore. So um, you've got three of the most dynamic defensive players that you've ever had under Gary Patterson. You've got a weird season where it's really anybody's opportunity to win. You've taken out, you know, a handful of the biggest players in, in college football uh, already before the season begins. You kind of have to go for it. And if Brown is the best player available at quarterback, 
I think you've got to roll him out there and, and let him play and take advantage of these weird circumstances because you and I both know that we, we would celebrate a 2020 national championship with more vigor than UCF did a couple of years ago, no matter if it oh, was yeah. a five-game season or a 15. Um, so I, I think – I, I think why not just take advantage of the weirdness? Um, if you're a TCU, if you're an Iowa State, if if you're, you know, kind of one of those not national big-time players, why not just go for it and, and put all your chips in the table and see what happens? Which leads me to my next point. Can I cast a vision for what the TCU offense should be this fall? Yes. Imagine as Stephon – as if, as if anything we say is going yeah, to stop so you. So true. Please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will, if I, I will, if you say no, I'll take my toys and go home. Um, <laughs> Stefan Brown, 6'5", 230, quite mobile, has an arm when he needs it. Okay, put him in the backfield. Put Zach Evans on one flank. Put uh, Tay Barber, put J.D. Spielman, put uh, DeMarco Foster on the other f- split end, and put Darwin Barlow in the backfield as a tailback run the damn triple option, be like Air Force oh. last year. You can go oh. to the shotgun out of it. You have all of these weapons. You don't have a quarterback who, who, who has experience and time getting them the ball. Make defenses, make more decisions, get weirder, take advantage of your strengths. Makes the blocking easier for the offensive line. It's so incredibly frustrating for every single Big 12 team. I think if, this was, if there ever was a year that you were going to do something crazy, this would be the year to just commit and say, we don't have it. We had a last-minute thing that screwed us up. We don't have it. Let's run. Let's 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 go to the flex belt. I, I will say this right now: Parker Fleming, noted establish the run fan. <laughs> Do you know what Air Force is passing EPA? Air Force passing EPA per okay, play. Okay, I don't highest in the nation. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, this also transitions a bit, Melissa, in the sense that you wrote about kind of what Meacham might bring to the TCU offense, right? And so now that we have you on, what what do you expect that to look like? I mean, I hope that we bring back like the middle of the field and the the medium passing game, uh, the short to intermediate routes. Um, that's what I would hope. Uh, I, I think that, the, and this is why I still have hope that Brown's going to be the guy. Um, I think that what Meacham does really well is scale down his expectations as far as trying to memorize 150 plays. And he executes 10 to 12 different looks in a variety of ways. Um, that, you know, if you've been following TC last couple of years, if you've been following Parker on social media, um, then then you know that that one of the biggest uh, complaints about the offense has been there's no there's no creativity, there's no mo- motion, there's no uh, th- there's nothing that gets a defense off balance. And uh, what what Gary Patterson has always been so great about doing is getting his defense to adjust to those things that the offense does. But even then, like you've, you've given the offense an advantage. You haven't seen that in Sonny Cumbie's offense. It's, it's line up, do something stupid that doesn't fit the pieces that you were, you were given, and then be surprised when it fails. Like that's kind of what it's felt like for the last two years. Um, and so uh, I, I think with, with Spielman, if you've watched his film, uh, that dude is fearless across the middle. Um, he's not afraid of contact. He's not going to be a huge yards after the catch guy, but he's going to make tough ca- uh, catches and small windows. He's going to absorb contact. Um, he's super, super sturdy. Uh, and so I'd, I'd love to see him play the middle of the field. I'd love to see Tay Barber more in the middle of the field. You've got Pro Wells and, and Artavius Lynn at tight end, who are such great weapons that we still haven't found a way to successfully utilize with any consistency. Um, and, and then you, of course, have these just these Iowa State-like Goliaths on the outside, these 6'4", 6'5", guys that 
um, are, are fast enough and, and huge and, and can get off the ground, um, finding a way to, to open up space for them out wide while, while getting completions down the middle, I think is going to be what can be successful for the TCU offense. And, and then, of course, obviously establish the run. <laughs> Parker had to mute himself Parker. because uh, there's vacuuming happening at his uh, at his home. Um, but I said that because I knew he couldn't respond. Um, and, and really, honestly, this is the greatest moment of this podcast probably is that Parker is muted. I know, because he, he, and he can't talk. He can't talk. So I think it's, let's talk more about the running bad. game. Um, hey, let's yeah. talk about the running game. The <laughs> vacuuming stopped. I'm hopping back in. Here's the thing about Meacham. Meacham actually is like – I, I, I want to say like he was smarter about rushing concepts in the past – I actually don't know how much of that was Looper um, because you listen, like Melissa, you wrote that piece earlier this, this summer about the, when, when Meacham was on the run the power podcast, which that's kind of funny because Meacham is air raid and he doesn't run power. We run zone. Um, and, and so there, you know, but, but he was on the, he knows those guys and it was really interesting, but he talked about like inside zone gives your quarterback a break. Like that is a, that is a phrase that he said. And I was like, that's not what I'm concerned about uh when we're when we're running the ball like i'm concerned about moving yards i don't care about my quarterback getting a break like if he needs a break we can figure out an alternate package we could do something weird but we don't need to just run a throwaway play just for the sake of like giving my quarterback a breather yeah i i agree but and and it's funny parker because i was just about to make the point and i'm glad you said that about looper because i didn't consider it but I mentioned this before in, in subsequent podcasts, but when, when we rewatched the TCU-Kansas State game from uh, 2014 and we marveled at, we're like, wow, these run packages are fun and good. And, yes, Javon Boykin was a good runner, but also, like, they were innovative. Um, yeah, and I was just about to make the point that maybe that was Meacham and maybe we'll see some more of that. And with Brown, if he takes snaps, that would be awesome to see him kind of use his legs, use his frame, and, 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 and be physical. But um, – now you've got me worried because I wonder how much of that was Looper and well, how much of an influence he had on the offense. We have like this amazing natural experiment where you never get these in college football. So again, sorry, I'm being a nerd. Natural experiments, like something that occurs in nature and we can observe and it looks like, hey, there was A and then there was an event and then there's B and we compare it B to A. Um, you brought up gang theory last week. So this can only get better. So, so I, I think that's as nerdy as I'm going though, but you basically had like, Looper and Sean Robinson ending up at the same place just mm-hmm. by a fluke, just by an accident of fate. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure there was back channels and I'm sure they talked and I, I, I'm sure they were aware of what was happening there. But so we have this kind of amazing experiment to see one, Sean Robinson, a TCU quarterback who, who didn't really fit into the precision passing kind of Kenny Hill mold that he was being shaped in at TCU um, and then kind of lost a spot. Although in retrospect, it looks like he could have had whatever spot he wanted. Um, and then two, you have like this, this run game, heavy guy, who's going to be a coordinator on his own and you have them matched together. So we're going to get to see one, did, did TCU mess up on Sean Robinson and two, how much value did, did Curtis Looper was Curtis Looper responsible for in the TCU offense? Um, and so that'd be really interesting. Cause I can, I could see a nightmare scenario where like Sean Robinson has an amazing year. Um, just with, I mean, Missouri, I think they start with Alabama. So RIP Sean, but, um, mm-hmm. They, they also have not named him the starter yet. Yeah, but did you um, hear why? We talked about this battle. last week. We talked about this last week with Bill because uh, he said the, 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 so Eli, uh, Eli Drinkwitz was just like, 
hey, I don't want them, I want them to have to prepare for four different offenses. They have no idea what I'm going to run. They've seen me <laughs> in four different places. They've got to prepare for it. So I think that's funny. I think there's no way Robinson isn't the starter. Um, but all that to say, he, he might flame out. Who knows? He might have, you know, s- substantial issues with his play. That means that he cannot succeed as a college football quarterback. He could go and be great. I'm just we'll, – we'll have a lot of information about the last couple of years of TCU football just because we have this experience where the coordinator and the quarterback ended up in the same place, which is not something that we get commonly. That is very yeah, true. And, and, and – I – that's the other thing, too. And, and Melissa, you wrote about this, and we're kind of backtracking the quarterbacks a bit, but you wrote about this in your Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback piece. But having that coordinator and having that quarterback back in the same place is some sort of consistency. And I think overall, kind of what we've been talking about is that TCU just hasn't had that consistency. I mean, Duggan, this is supposed to be a second year, but we've really never gotten more than two years of a TCU quarterback since Andy Dalton. How, and how that's many? been almost a decade. How many how many guys do you think he was two years? Yeah, how many guys have graduated as active members of the, how many four year players have graduated as active members of TCU football from the quarterback position since Andy I, Dalton? I just read this, so I'll excuse myself. But if Parker has an answer, go ahead. Zero, zero, right? No, the, the question is guys. starters. Wait, so what yeah. was the the qualifier? Was starters who've graduated? Yeah, like guys that have started games for TCU that have graduated as active members of the football program. Oh, so so Bram. But Bram, Bram was a transfer. He wasn't. He was not a a recruited guy. Mulestein. So talking guys. Yeah, Mulestein. Sawyer transferred. Holy cow, that's depressing. And I didn't even bring that up. That was that was a depressing stat. I didn't bring up. Uh, how? What's what's the number? You you've only you've had. I think Muelstein is the only guy that was recruited as a true freshman and graduated as an active member of the program. I think you've had three guys graduate from TCU, period, that played quarterback. Uh, did Yoki Boykin, Hill, and Muelstein, right? Did Yoki yes. start a game in, in between the Casey? No, he was gone before 12. He, might have, he played. I don't think he was ever started. Yeah, I don't think he started. Interesting. Gosh, that's – And, and, yeah. and Bram, Bram kind of counts, I guess. So maybe you can say four. But, but if you look at guys who didn't – like, you know, Bram kind of had, you know, one of the greatest moments. But if you look at guys that started multiple games for TCU and actually graduated from the program, I think that number is three. And someone can fact check me on that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that you – know, and one that we can tell that was a guy that came as a freshman – stayed his entire career and graduated and realistically boykin was kind of like a fluke because uh 2013 wouldn't like matt jokel was supposed to be the the savior yeah. coming in yeah yeah uh, who speaking of speaking of quarterback weights and heights he's a matt jokel's a big dude um he's a big dude that is giant. neither here nor there okay speaking of quarterbacks because we're just we're just ambling through all this i'm just going to read you guys a tweet and i would love to uh use this as a, a segue to our next segment Big praise from this person I don't know on Twitter, so I'm not going to say their name, but they're a sports commentator person on this week's show for Charlie Brewer. And the quote is, Charlie Brewer might be the best football player in the Big 12. So one. No. uh, No. No, he's not. No. No, period. 
two. No heart emoji, as the kids say. <laughs> yeah. Who is the best player in the Big 12 going into 2020? So I'm interested in both of your, uh, both of your opinions there because I think it probably has to be a quarterback, but there's arguments that it's not a quarterback. So take not a minute. A quarterback. Think, who's the best player in the Big 12? I mean, quarterback provides the most value, but like. We'll go overall and then non-TCU. I'm talking value relative to their position. So someone who is so far above where everyone else is, right? So like there's a lot of good quarterbacks. So one of them might be the best, but in relative value, they may not be the best. So multiple ways you could do this. I'm just saying, who's the best player in the Big 12, knowing that it's not Charlie Brewer? Wow. I mean, is, is there a quarterback right now that you think is going to be the kind of guy that you could put him on any team and they're automatically elevated? Well, hold on. first, I got to hold on. Charlie Brewer is not the best quarterback in the Big 12. No, much less close. the best player. Yeah, not I, even close. Oh, my God. Um, okay. I mean, I go to like a guy, like I look at the two skill position guys at Oklahoma State. You know, like, yeah. if you right look, now, I will end this podcast if you say that name. Uh, it, no, not true, but no, no, no. Like, Tylen Wallace is up there. Tylen yeah, Wallace, I mean, he's, he's really good. I, I mean, that, that, this question made me mad. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> right now at the, the rosters. Okay, just while you're vamping or while while you're while you're deliberating, I'm do gonna, you have an answer? I think right now, right now, there are potentially three ways, four ways that you could go here, and so I'll give you guys some options, and then we could say like, what do, what do we think there? So, uh, one, Trayvon Merrick has a claim as the best defender, yeah. and therefore the best. Yeah. Player. Uh, Samuel Cosme at Texas or Trayvon yeah. Jenkins at Oklahoma State have claims as the best lineman and therefore the best player. Um, wide receiver, I would accept any kind of Charleston Rambo, TJ Vasher conversation. Tylen mm-hmm. Wallace. Tylen Wallace, I would accept. Yeah, Wallace is so up there. I think those are good. And then you, you start thinking about like, okay, quarterback, Sam Ellinger is probably, if you had to he's gun good. to my head, he's good. He's I think good. He's, I think he's number one right now. So I think Sam Ellinger also has a claim. So that's kind of like the four ways I would go. I don't think anyone like a Wyatt Hubert out of um, Kansas State is good enough. Right. Like he's he's the best player. Um, And I don't think there's like even Garrett Wallow, I don't think is the best player. I think he's very, very good. But I think that he would get trumped by some other guys. So. I mean, I think part of that with, with Ellinger is that he's the most experienced guy and he's, he's the, the grittiest guy but his ceiling is where it is. Like, does anyone expect a massive leap from last year to this year from Ellinger? No. You know, like, so he, he, I think at this point he is who he is and he's as capable of having an amazing game and, and doing something ridiculous as he is having an absolute turd bucket of a game like he did against a bad TCU team last year. And, and so I don't think he's like a super elite quarterback. Like, I don't think many people think he's a legitimate pro. And when you look at guys like Brock Purdy and his ceiling, um, or, you know, even Alan Bowman, if he can stay on the field for more than a handful of games, like those guys have potential to be better than Sam Ellinger this year. Um, and I, I'd be, if Purdy isn't, then Matt Campbell's going to have some, some questions to answer, or he's got to be able to better team around him. But I think you could put Brock Purdy at Texas and he'd be better than Sam Ellinger. I don't know if you put 
Sam Ellinger at Iowa State if that team's a lot better. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Um, did so you say turd I, I, bucket? I did. I did say turd bucket. I did no, I respect the context. I respect the context argument. And Sam Ellinger has a very good offensive line, and will have a very good offensive line again. Um, I will say, as as Grant is, you know, figuring out his. Uh, wait, so so your answer wasn't you haven't you haven't given us an answer. I, 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 I will mean, say, I, as we're if, deliberating that, Sam Ellinger, I I have you know some potential access to some data that might be really 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 good for college football that I can't do anything with publicly. So if I if I did have access to that, I would hypothetically say that if I had made a completion percentage over expected model which nerds will know that as CPOE. Uh, Sam Ellinger is Nerd. very high in uh, accuracy over expected. Um, and so that's just something to say, like, I think he's underrated as a passer. I respect the context argument, but I, I think he is less Tebow than people want to make him out to be. No, I, I, I agree with Parker. So I'll, I'll cop out. I mean, it, well, the way you phrased the question is, okay, is someone so much more valuable – than others relative to their position in the Big 12. And I think, listen, gun to my head, Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback in the Big 12. And in terms of pure value added, he's the best player in the Big 12. But I swear to, I'm not doing a homer thing here. I, I think you can make the argument that there aren't that many great safeties or defensive backs in the Big 12. And in terms of value added relative to the rest of the people that play the position in the conference, you could say Merrig has an argument there. So I, I'd say those two would be my answer. Let, let me ask, let me ask a question, a legitimate question, because you guys probably have a better idea of the, the a better depth of understanding in this. Um, Merrick to me is is the one of the best players on defense in the conference in the country. I think he has a chance yep. to be one of the highest drafted players um, out of college football this fall. Like he is a superstar. What I don't know and what I can't what I can't put together in my head is how much what's his what's his uh it's like wins over replacement right like it's that kind of thing Mm -hmm. like if you put a um a better than average safety in tc's backfield next to ardarius washington behind garrett wallow all that how much how much of a difference does a great elite super elite safety like that make in the big 12 in a college in a college defense um and that's just a legitimate question i don't i don't know that i really understand well, and especially in a Gary Patterson defense, I think that gets that that's yeah. a different qualification just in the way that they play. Um, I mm-hmm. do remember again, we're just like plugging old stuff right now, but this is fine. Cody Alexander was an amazing interview, and you should absolutely go listen to that podcast with him uh, if you haven't. But when he's on the podcast, we we kind of asked him about like, hey, if you had to draft from scratch a college defense, where would you start? And he said, uh, lockdown corner, and then pass rusher, and then safety. I think were his three in a mm-hmm. row, um, and yep. so. It is one of the more valuable positions, but decisively not uh, the, the most valuable. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I do think that he is substantially better than anyone else in the country. Or, uh, yes. Well, yes, in the country, but also in the conference. At safety, I will also – boy, this is me praising Texas a lot. Um, I think Caden Stearns is really yeah. good. Okay, but that's back. only, I, only I an argument from attrition because the argument for Caden Stearns is Texas was really bad when he wasn't in last year. Uh, okay, so still, I don't, I don't care. I, I still think he's going to be really good, and yeah. I think he's only going to get better. So I, I think he's going to be good. Uh, pass rushers, I'm looking right now at the defensive rosters. And There's not I, a I mean, great pass rusher this year. I, like, Wyatt Hubert might no. be the best, and I don't know that you look at him as being super-duper elite. Because both um, the Stills brothers are interior linemen at West Virginia, and so – Yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Malcolm Lee um, at Kansas, but they, they don't like – 
Uh, I don't think I, I think I, that you're I, doing a whole disservice to college football if you pick a Kansas player as the most elite. Yeah, no, I know, player I know, I know. In the conference. Yeah. I know. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to say that I would take Puka Williams over Chuba Hubbard any day. Puka's got his own problems. I I, yeah. I would say, yeah. Give me Mary, give me Ellinger. Uh, I it, I know that's a cop out, but I that's probably my answer. I think it's I think. arguable. Uh, Although I, I, your... listen, I'll say, I, I uh, all I'll say is that when I think it's all said and done, I would I think Ardarius is going to be like a top three defensive back in TCU history. But that just me being optimistic. So, he's just small, and that's it. Yeah, he he's. I mean, I think you're right, though. I think he's he's just so friggin' dynamic, and when no one wants to throw anywhere near Merig, he's he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time to, yeah. to make a play around the ball. Um, I, yeah. now it'll be interesting if Merig leaves and Washington stays, what that defense looks like, wh- whoever lines up yep. next to him, what that looks like, and how that impacts his effectiveness when he's when he's the first choice to avoid instead of the second. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I want to say Merrig. Um, I, I, I love the kid um, from a football playing standpoint and just from a quality of human being. I, I think he's one of the best people I've ever been around. And so I'm super, super biased towards him. Um, I, I guess like if you look into all aspects of the conversation and all aspects of the evaluation, then Ellinger is probably the correct choice. Um, I don't know that we'll be saying that at the end of the season. I think that you could see you could see a, a Brock Purdy or, or somebody or uh, you know we'll see what Spencer Rattler looks like. I just don't think at the end of the year he's necessarily still going to be the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. But right now today he's the best quarterback, and in this conference that probably makes him the most important player, which I guess in turn makes him the best. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's turn let's turn our attention then kind of to teams too. Uh, well, no, here's what I want to do. Here's, here's really the question. We're going to skip the team's conversation. We're just kind of going off the cuff here. But what's, what, if Matthew Downing starts, what's his ceiling? I meant to ask that earlier because I don't have a read for this. Can somebody contextualize Matt Downing and Mike Collins for me? Is that like a continuum? Are they, are they close? Are they Venn diagrams that overlap partially? Just can, can you contextualize what Matthew Downing as a full-season quarterback might be uh, for me? Is Mike Collins a ceiling? I don't. I, I, I think. Yeah, like Mike Collins might be a ceiling, and like, and I was high on Michael Collins, and I know that's a that's a weird position to take, but I was. I, I, I don't think the ceiling is high. I don't know if that helps, but I, I'm not optimistic. Game, you know game manager. Collins, did you know that Mike Collins had a QBR of eighty six point eight, and TCU's lost a game? I did. He's good. He was a good quarterback. He was very good in that game. Um, if, he was a butt fumble away from getting that victory. Uh, or or just a, a basic special teams play execution, one of the two. Um, and, and we're talking about him completely differently, probably. Um, can, can Let me put it this way. Can Matthew Downing go in and win games for TCU? Yes. Can he manage to not lose games for TCU? I'm not sure. Um, I, I think that a lot of that is going to be based on the construct of the offense. And I'll tell you this much. If I had more faith in the wide receivers being the types of players that we expect them to be, my opinion of Matthew Downing would probably be a lot different. Um, but if you, if you have guys that you believe can go and make plays, and the only one that we really know is capable of doing that is Tay Barber. And I'm assuming J.D. Spielman will make that adjustment and be fine. But, yeah. um, but we still we haven't seen him at TCU, so we, we don't know what that's going to mean for him. But if you had a good, solid wide receiving corp that was like, 
capable of catching the ball consistently, then maybe he's a guy that can go and complete 63 to 66% of his passes, throw for 18 or, or 20 touchdowns and, and nine or 10 interceptions, then, then he's probably had a pretty decent season. Um, I just don't know that we've seen that out of the wide receiver core, and, and we need a quarterback that is going to make them better, not highlight their weaknesses. And I'm afraid Downing might be the latter. All of those numbers would drastically outpace uh, Max Duggan 2019, just for the record. That was exactly the point I was going to make. For sure. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I'd be ecstatic if he put those numbers up. Ecstatic. I just – I don't – Yeah. I also think the only other um, variable there is that he would probably also need an offense that has a set identity he can hop into. And although we're beating a dead horse here, um, that doesn't exist. So – well, but, and that's and part of the the reason why I'd have the optimism for him to be an improvement for Max Duggan a year ago is that, that he is a guy that's been in a couple of systems for a given period of time. He's not a true freshman. He's a third-year player. And I I am hopelessly optimistic. Hopelessly optimistic? Is that – okay, we're going to go with that. It feels like it fits. Uh, hopelessly optimistic that the Cumbie offense will be more geared towards uh, showing off the strengths of – it's players, whereas I think the Cumbie offense, once again, oftentimes highlights the, their weaknesses. I think that's totally fair. Um, okay, so this transition just, you know, we've been going for uh, a little bit. So let's, let's get into some of the Q&A uh, that we've got on Twitter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a nice transition. There's some good ones. Our, our friend Yale asks, is it Matthew first downing or Matthew down INT? Who do you think we're going to get this fall? Uh... The latter, I know that's uh, this is more hopeless pessimism, but uh, probably the latter. I, I think that they'll there could be some nice moments, but I, I don't think we can pin our hopes of a 10 win season on uh, one Matthew Downing, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's probably fair. And and look, I don't want to put too much on, I don't want to put too much. No, in the no, man. no, of course not. You know, he wasn't recruit. He wasn't, didn't get stars out of high school. His tape is not very good. He's clearly really wants to play football and done everything he can to put himself in a situation. And this has fallen in his lap. So I, I, I hope he surprises all of us. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's it. Uh, other things that we have in our Q and a, uh, our, uh, dog stats asks who's your favorite sec team and so i'll actually extend that who's your favorite non big 12 non tcu team oh i I'm, i mean i i've got family connections at stanford so i i love stanford that's my second team I, I go to at least one game a year not this year um but that's definitely the the team i root for the team i like watching that isn't a tcu team man just give me one of the weird service academies or like a late night hawaii and I am always, yeah. especially Hawaii with that quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the dude with Cole the, McDonald. Yes. Cole McDonald. Yeah, get, yeah. Sign me up for a weird Hawaii quarterback, a, a dude with dreads and like a hang loose attitude that's on at 11 p.m. And I am, I am here for Hawaii every night. I uh, obviously, most people know I'm also a Carolina fan. Uh, <laughs> I will no also, uh, yeah, I'll also give a shout out to, uh, my dad went here for one semester before he dropped out, um, which shows you how serious my, seriously my dad took college. Um, Appalachian State, uh, beautiful campus, fun coaches nor- most of the time. Armani Edwards is a god, uh, and, and I love him. Um, and so I, I will always ride for the Mountaineers, uh, no matter what. Shout out to Dexter Coakley, Appalachian State great, current coach at the Oak Ridge School. 
There you go. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you guys know in like the Hall of Fame and the MLB, they kind of have the debate about like, should it be a big hall or a small hall? And it's like, should we mm-hmm. you know, let these people interact? I'm a, I'm a big hall person. And I, I'm the same way with my fandom. Like I'm a big fandom person. One, because I don't have any friends and I just sit and watch college football all weekend. But two, because I'm like, hey, I'm interested broadly in a lot of things. So I grew up being an Arkansas fan. My dad's from Arkansas. That's my, my little brother goes to school there now. And so we, uh, it's, it, was, it was good for a little bit there in like the beginning of the 2000s. And then it's been uh, less and less appealing since. But, um, I, you know, I'll watch Memphis. I'll watch Louisiana. I'll watch UAB being the zombie team and coming back. So I, I just try and find interesting storylines because mostly because the big teams are boring and college football is coalescing around four uh, superpowers uh, increasingly. Um, okay, I think we have two more questions. Um, and one of them is from Levi Stevenson, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to caveat his as well, too. He says, create an entire offense out of only TCU quarterbacks. And so I'm just going to say, which TCU quarterback would do the best at a different position and why? Uh, I mean, if we knew anything about any oh, of Oh, no, no, sorry, so sorry. All-time, all all-time TCU quarterbacks, oh. if they switched positions, who would have done the best where? Oh, Trayvon Boykin anywhere, like wide receiver, yeah. H-back running back. I mean, that dude was such a great athlete. I really think you could have lined him up at literally any position, offense or defense, and he would have found a way to make it work. That's my answer. Although I do want to see like, uh, yeah, that's probably my answer. Uh, well, I say that I think the all time punting average, Sammy ball still leads TCU. Uh, it's like Sammy ball and Davey O'Brien, are like one and four, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in all time punts per yardage. Um, now, obviously, you know, Jordy Sandy is the, uh, the punter <laughs> of the future. But, um, you know, if you had to draft a number two, I'd, I'd probably take one of those guys. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a buzzer for the show. That's what I'm doing for next week. Uh, uh, okay, my answer is, of course, Casey Paul, because it's always Casey Paul. He's 6'5", 230, and can move a little bit. Put him on the defensive line. Get him, get him as a pass rusher. I think he would have done pretty well on that side of the ball. Um, my other weird idea, I think I talked about this earlier this offseason, Shewa Olanalua would be like one of the top five defensive ends in the NFL right now if he had played his entire oh, yeah. career in NFL. I, yeah. I so wish that they had made him play defense. Uh, yeah. And uh, I get why he didn't want to make the switch. I, I heard that it was floated. I, I don't know how substantiated that is. But uh, I, I get why he didn't want to make the switch. But, man, he's a, he's a big old dude. Um, he, well, he signed with TCU partially because they promised him he could stay on offense. And what I always heard was that Patterson figured he can get him to campus and show him how much money he could make on the defensive side of the ball and eventually win him over. Shaywo never wavered. That dude never wavered. Never even wanted to practice. Never wanted to take a snap on the defensive side of the ball. Like, they tried. From what I understand, they tried. And now he's playing for the Dallas Cowboys, so good for him. Yeah. He got drafted, Maybe. man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He got um, signed as an undrafted free agent. Oh, uh, right. Well, yeah. Anyway, you know, it, it, it all worked out. Six and one, half dozen in the other. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. The last one is, is open-ended, and, uh, and here are the questions. What do you both think about how to enjoy football responsibly this fall? What does tailgating, what does watching a game look like social distancing we're not making any medical statements i'm just saying are there any tips or tricks you have um that if you were going to watch the game with a small group of your relatives or close friends or um whatever how how would you make tailgating happen or enjoy it this uh this fall i mean i really like this concept because it means i can bring my bottle of bourbon and not have to share it 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a, a critical advantage here, um, just for safety's sake. Uh, I, I think that that again, you know, as, and we we talked at the beginning of the show. I'm a I'm a teacher doing in person learning. Um, my message to my students would be the same message to TCU students and football fans all across: be responsible, have fun, find ways to have. Sorry, my dog is now squeaking the squeaky <laughs> toy because it's not a podcast unless Bauer squeaks the squeaky toy at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Have fun pre-portion out things maybe instead of having family style servings um you know make sure that everybody feels comfortable and safe and buy gallons and gallons of hand sanitizer or a lot of high proof vodka and you'll be fine yeah i think that's the move i just moved five hours away um from tcu uh i'm back in my hometown and i'm also working for a school district now um so uh, yeah, we're all masked up and, and, and using a lot of hand sanitizer. I think come Saturdays, get a small group of friends, get guys and girls that you know are taking the global pandemic relatively seriously and uh, get three TVs and have yourself a weekend. I, I mean, I think a lot of the fan experience, while I do want people to go to, you know, as many people as possible that feel safe and can abide by the restrictions to go to TCU games or sports games or whatever and enjoy the in-person experience. I do think this might be the season to kind of watch everything from your couch, set up three TVs, watch the TCU game, yeah. watch the random SEC game and, a, and an ACC game. And, you know, put, put, put $5 down with your friends and say, Hey, I bet this will happen. This will happen. And just, you know, really enjoy it. Go walk around in the morning. I, I don't know what college game day is going to look like. It won't be the same. And just, you know, tune in when you can. I, I think this is the time to, you know, make your make your house a home and, and, and watch from your couch. I've always found college football is better when I can have uh, kind of good look music playing in the background. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play a song on repeat if TCU is doing well uh, while it's playing. I much watched the entire second half of the 2017 National Championship basketball game with Brooklyn Kid by Cross Canadian Ragweed playing uh, on a three-hour loop. Uh, and Carolina won. So do that, you know, just, just no, do whatever you can. Don't, don't do that. Brit, that probably had <laughs> profound and lasting influences on your uh, subconscious mind. <laughs> it, um, it, uh, it was my top song on Spotify for two years somehow. I think it carried over uh, into 2018. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I think what you both said is great and is something just, it's going to be weird and we're all going to be here and we have the internet and can talk about it. We're going to, uh, I think we're going to, take our TV and set it in the window out to the backyard and then have some lawn chairs and kind of spread out out back. Perfect. Um, although it's Texas, so we might all die from heat exposure as well. So um, yeah, I, uh, who, who knows? Who knows? Interesting. Um, well, we'll definitely have to see how that uh, turns out. Okay. I think this has been a rambling, meandering podcast. Um, uh, best, best wishes to Max Duggan. Hopefully he um, recovers. Yeah. Hopefully he's getting the medical, obviously he's getting the medical treatment he needs and they're able to take care of him. Um, and uh, you know, all the college players that are on campuses stay safe uh, and maybe we can get uh, a couple games in this fall. Um, Melissa, thanks for joining us. Um, where can people find you? You're, you're at Frogs of War. You're writing for the purple theory theory newsletter contributing some great content your twitter handle is at the coach melissa am i missing anything there i think that about covers it i am everywhere and nowhere all at once the way it should Mm -hmm. be that's great Uh, i also want to say before we head out um thoughts and prayers to anyone uh in the eye of hurricane laura or in the path um it is totally frightening um i grew up on the coast 
we've had to evacuate a couple times for hurricanes. Um, I'm lucky enough that we're going to miss this one, but um, you know, if, if anyone's in Louisiana listening or anyone in Beaumont, that area, we're all in your, you know, you're all in our thoughts and, and um, just stay safe. Hopefully you're, you're out of the storm's path and um, you know, not to be depressing, but we're thinking about you. No, totally. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a good thought as well. Um, yeah, great. Well, I'm Parker at Stats of War. Grant, you can find him on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. We'll uh, continue to um, post stupid tweets there and great contents, mm-hmm. uh, great content and articles on the Purple Theory newsletter. You can subscribe purplethory.substack.com. Uh, and I'm excited to maybe announce uh, an announcement. We're going to do cool stuff for in season. It's going to be great. We uh, have a plan. We're going to refine that plan. But in-season Purple Theory newsletter is possibly going to be the best place to get TCU news and analysis. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Talk to you.